I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Welcome to the Veterans Leadership Blog Podcast. And my guest today is none other than Dylan Cooper. Dylan Cooper is an Army veteran who served with the 1st Infantry Division in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. He's a graduate of Mid-American Christian University with his Bachelor's of Science in Psychology and Ethics. Dylan Cooper is a teacher at Wewoka High School where he coaches multiple sports, but finds that helping students learn leadership through the disciplines of strength and conditioning sets a foundation for life on the field, on the court, and in the classroom. Dylan, did I miss anything? No, sir. You hit it around the head. All right. Great, great, great. I'm happy to have you here. You know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. You're one of my favorite people to learn from. And I just think your passion for veterans, for your students, you know, and for the students that you get to coach and help them level up is just something that we all will benefit from as we learn more about you. And as you know, very scripted show. So the first question, what would you say to your younger self as you were entering military service? I would say focus on self-awareness to figure out if it's truly something you want to be committed to. Okay. I'm going to dig just a bit there. And would your younger self have taken that advice? I think he would have been pretty difficult to persuade to think a certain way, but I think that was a part of, you know, his development process along the way. I would just tell him that it if you're going to do it, you need to be 100% committed. 99.9% won't work. It's got to be 100%. So when you say 100%, you mean the order comes down. We need you to jump on the grenade 100% committed. Absolutely. You have to be committed in all aspects of life. I mean, take your book you're about to have published. Use that as an example right there. I'm sure that was 110% commitment. It wasn't 99.8, 99.9. It was 110%. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that book you mentioned is called Veterans Transitions, a Contact Sport. If you are a transitioning veteran or you're a veteran who have already transitioned, you feel stuck. You know, I just think there's some principles, some guidance and some words of wisdom in there that can help you make the next best decision and even level up. Now, let me ask you this. Would your younger self have pushed back because you saw the world a certain way or just because you're someone who really believes that people have to prove themselves before you listen to them? I believe that, you know, you do have to prove yourself for certain people to listen to you. And I think that's really true when it comes to veterans. A lot of veterans aren't going to take advice from someone that's not a veteran. That's just all there is to it. When I was going into the military, I didn't take advice from a lot of people. I was just kind of all in at that point. You know, I've always said that it comes a part of life where you had to take a lot of risk to get a reward. And that's kind of where I was at that point. I was just willing to take the risk to get the reward. Great, great, great. And, that, and that's how life works. You know, if you don't plant anything, you can't expect to harvest. And, and like, as you mentioned, you know, you were willing to step out, take that risk, learn what you would learn. Go through what you would go through and see what the reward was on the end. And I think anyone who served, we know we're writing that check. Right. I was honestly in my first semester in a college class, fresh out of high school. 
And I was sitting in this class and I remember just feeling as if I was just kind of passing time. Oh, wow. I felt like I was doing what everyone else thought I was supposed to be doing. It was the next step. I graduated high school. I had decent grades. Now it's time to go to college. I felt like there was something else out there that was like pulling me to it. Literally that day I felt it. I just got up and I left class. I remember the teacher was like, I'll email you the assignment. And I remember, you know, telling her something along the lines of, you don't have to because I'm not going to be back. I didn't know at that moment if it was going to be the military, but I knew that there was going to be a drastic change and I was going to take a completely different path at that moment. Oh, man. Simply amazing. Simply amazing. Question that I think ties right in. What would you say to anyone considering serving today? Things are a bit different. Different president, different focus, different wars, different strategies. What would you say to someone who says, look, Dylan, I heard you on that podcast and your passion to just want more for your life, even taking the step of walking it out through the military. I'm thinking about doing the same thing. What would you say to them? I would say focus on self-awareness and evaluate if it's what you truly want to do. Because as humans, we can't allow our emotions to get the better of us. It would be easy to listen to this blog or this podcast and feel like compelled, you know, and motivated to do a certain thing. But every individual is different and you have to focus on being self-aware and what you think is going to be best for you. So I would say self-evaluate and be constantly self-aware of what you feel like you need to do. Because again, going back to the 99.9%, once you sign that contract, you're agreeing to fight and die for this country. So 99.9% commitment isn't good enough. 99.9% could cost someone else their life. So it's got to be 100% or none at all. Love it. I love that truth. And I love that you brought to the table that, look, if you're not all in, that means every cell, every part of your DNA, you're putting someone's life on the line in that moment, in that decision, and in that movement. And I think since most people don't have to face life or death situations as a part of their daily life, as a part of their daily walk, I think at times they don't understand that they have figured out how to coast and they're not really pushing themselves to see where their limits are. Absolutely. And I carry the same mindset when I took over the strength and conditioning for the football team and all that. I gave the same speech to all my players and my fellow coaches. I told them that, listen, this is going to be a bumpy road, but I need your 110%. Your 99.9% isn't going to do. So I need all in or nothing at all. That's all there is to it. Okay. Okay. Now, next question. And this is a one word answer. When I say military transitions, what would that word be? What would your one word answer be to that? The first word that comes to mind when I think about military transition would probably be unfamiliar. Unfamiliar. Wow. We got to dig there. What for you, stories, memories, thoughts, did it bring up? And you use the word unfamiliar. So help us help the audience understand just the mindset of knowing that you went from highly structured, something you started to understand and even move to mastery to now unfamiliar. Unfamiliar, just kind of relating to, like you said, when you're in the military, you're used 
to that structure. You're used to that schedule and routine. You know how to work as a team, as a unit, as an individual. And then when it comes to that transition time, all of that kind of diminishes for the most part, depending on the type of support system that you have. But for myself, the first feeling I got was just a feeling of unfamiliarity because going from high school to college to the military, there was always some type of structure or support system. So once you kind of go to transition out of the military and go back into the real world, you're kind of, I felt alone when I was transitioning. That's why it felt unfamiliar to me because I was used to having a support system, whether it was in high school with my family and then in the military, I had a support system. Then when you go to transition, it's kind of like you had neither one of them. Wow. I know the feeling. I lived that. Now, yeah. I think, you know, most people don't understand this if they've never been in that position to either A, serve or B, transition. But something I always think about is that, you know, we had life coaches, we had motivational coaches in the military. We just called them sergeants, you know, we just called them battle buddies. And you get so used to someone making sure that you understand your absolute best was the only thing that you can show up with that when all of that's removed, wow, as you mentioned, things become unfamiliar really quickly. Yeah, that's not even to mention, you know, maybe one of your good mentors in the military, you know, was killed in action right before you're going to transition. There's all kinds of factors that weigh into the, the transition process. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that many of us have faced that very scenario to include others that has really just shaking the very foundation of who we are. And I think hearing from people who have journeyed before them, I think it would even give current service members hope and even people who are considering transitioning from the military. Because I think at times, no one ever reminds people that whether you retire or whether you leave after your tour of duty is up, you're going to leave the military. And I think the sooner you, you accept that reality, the better it is for everyone involved, because then you could clearly then start to transition your 100% to what's coming next. Absolutely. All right. All right. So this should be fun for you. This question is more about what you do now and what really excites you about the work you get to do now and working in the space that you're currently in. What I currently do now, obviously, like you mentioned, is I teach and I coach. What kind of excites me is I'm teaching at the same high school that I actually graduated from. I seen a lot of holes in the education system when I was attending there. So now I get the chance every day to fill in those holes with my own strategic ways of teaching and whatnot. I think the biggest thrill I get is... Every day there's a new opportunity to teach kids something about leadership, but in life in general. I think that's what excites me the most is just, you know, the never ending opportunities every day as a teacher and coach to uh, help lead some kid in the right direction. Wow. Wow. And what has been your biggest personal success story from being in that space, the same high school that you attended and now as you mentioned, there were some holes in how things were done. And now you're just being strategic about getting everyone and everything that you can touch to the next level. 
And what are some of the success stories from that? And then what would you like to share to other teachers or anyone else looking to walk that path? The biggest success, I think, you know, I'm not big on measuring success as far as like winning a football game, you know. But when I accepted this position, our first game as a football team was set to play a rival team town which is only about 15 minutes from our school and it's in a totally different type of economical setting their school is probably two or three times larger the average salary is 10 to 15 thousand i mean the town and school is just as far as numbers is a lot bigger than our school right and their team was ranked number three in their class Our class, we weren't even ranked at the beginning of the year. So when I accepted this job in June, our school told me that we were going to be playing this team and we were going to be playing them at their field. And they had never lost a home game in the past 35 years. We'd never beaten their school in the past 20 years. I was really excited about the opportunity, but our own school was upset that we were even going to have to play them because they thought that we were going to get beat so bad. And I couldn't understand it. And I was like, well, why is no one excited about like this chance? And they were like, well, none of our kids show up to work out during the summer. We only have 30-something kids. They have 78 to 80. And I was just thinking, man, that's nothing but excuses. Wow, yeah. And I asked them, well, why aren't the kids showing up to work out? And they were like, well, we open it up. We give them a schedule and tell them it'll be open and they just don't show up. And I was like, well, you can't just be content with that. So I literally would just go to these kids' house, knock on the door and introduce myself. And I'd say, hey, I'm Coach Cooper. I'm one of the new football coaches. Here are my standards now. We're playing this team. They have 70-something players. We have 28 If we're going to go win, we had to start grinding it out right now, all summer. So the first week, we had six players show up working out. The second week, we had, you know, about 10. And then by the final week of the summer workouts, we had, you know, 27 kids showed up. And keep in mind, all my kids are walking there and riding bikes because their parents don't have money to give them vehicles, you know. Right, right. My first week working out with them, they were kind of caught off guard because our weight room had no air conditioner. It was hot. It was in a basement. Mm -hmm. So I took my shirt off. I started running with them, lifting with them, wasn't trying to show any signs of weakness. And they were just kind of confused and baffled. You could tell they'd never seen someone take the initiative of actually like leading by example. Yeah, But it kind of goes back to the militant mindset. I'm not going to make you run five miles if I'm not running in front of you or behind you, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the sense, I kind of started developing our own little, you know, football team wolf pack. And they carried this mindset that, listen, we're going to go over there and get beat so bad. Like they were literally upset at the fact that we were going to play this team because they thought we were going to get embarrassed. So I had to recondition their minds and rewire them into believing that even though we have 27 players to their 78, football is still 11 players at a time. Absolutely. And we're, and we're all equal. So literally all summer, we'd be working out, throwing up, and I'd be constantly preaching to them that our minds are going to be so mentally prepared that we're going to get through it and we're going to win. 
And I know deep down in their mind, they thought that I'm just some crazy veteran and it wasn't going to add up. But the day finally came to play the game. We had to go there. Of course, they had 70-something players. We suited up 25. The game came down to first down, and they had to get one yard. They had to get one yard. That's it. Wow. Wow. We held them four plays in a row, and that was the first time that coach had ever been beat in his season opener in history. Wow. That was probably the proudest moment because in that moment, it wasn't just a victory in a sporting event. Those kids beat, you know, poverty, self-doubt. Yeah. Cultural oppression is what I can call it, you know? Yeah. It was more than just a sporting event. They took a life lesson that when you really want something, it doesn't matter where you come from what your social setting is. If you work for it, you can make it happen. Yeah. And if you have that kind of courage, you know, wow, it transfers to everything. Absolutely. So if I would give any advice to any teacher or coaches, it would be to be a teacher. You have to watch teachers teach. You have to have so many hours. You have to watch this teacher teach for a hundred hours straight and do what this teacher does. I think that's the worst thing ever. The last thing we need is teachers teaching like every other teacher. My advice would to be use what individual tactics and techniques you have and use it to your advantage. For myself, I use the majority of my military training and tactics. It was pretty simple, but it's not common because they can't teach this type of stuff in college. Let's be honest. There's no college course that's going to teach you to lead by example. There's no college course that's going to prepare you to show up an hour early and stay two hours late. Yeah. There's no type of preparation like that in the academic systems. So my advice would be be who you are and create your own path when it comes to teaching and coaching because it'll pay off. Wow. I love it. And I think the story proves it, proves that it works and it proves, yeah, it will cost you. A hundred percent. But you came in saying that, you know, Absolutely. Being, you and know. they know and they know you're sacrificing because this was June and July. School didn't even start till August. So at this point, I wasn't even getting paid. Right. And I was doing this twice a day. Yeah. But there was no, well, if only one kid shows up, we're going to cancel. No, there were some days where eight kids would show up and then the next workout would only be one. But I'd work out with that one. Because it's what was expected of me. Yeah. So when the kids see you doing this, when it comes to the football field, they'll do anything for you in return. And that's where a lot of teachers and coaches fail. They fail to lead by example. It's the easiest tactic, but it's the most difficult as well. Because people want all these results, but a lot of teachers and coaches don't like actually physically and mentally putting in the work. Because it can be taxing, but it's what it's expected of leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think just diving deep on the values that veterans walk away with, that true deep leadership is something that we quickly can identify quality leaders and leaders who are better at talking the talk than walking the walk. 
Absolutely. It's like when me and you was at that conference, me and you, me and you were the first two people there ready to go an hour and a half early. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, for leaders, if you're looking for other leaders, you go to a leadership conference. That's what you do. You're not going to find them in your local pub or your backyard. You go where leaders go. Leaders go to train, leaders go to acquire new skills, and then they go back to where they're at to deploy those skills, to level everyone up who's around them. Absolutely. All right. We're going to move a little bit more quickly now. And this is right up your alley. First question, what values from the military do you bring to what you do today? And I think you touched on it before, but I want you to drive down some specifics so someone can say, okay, I suck in this area. Maybe it's leading by example. And now after hearing this, I'm going to apply that to my life and and my strategies. Well, let's just, I can just take you through every one of them. Loyalty. You have to be loyal to yourself and loyal to your craft, loyal to your passion or nothing else is going to work. Love it. Love it. Duty. You have to respect your duty, what you were called to do. You know what I mean? Same same with the oath that you took whenever it was when you signed up. It doesn't expire. That's all there is to it. Loyalty, duty. Then we got respect. First of all, you have to respect yourself. You have to respect what it is that you were called to do and put here to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's the next one? Selfless service? Absolutely. I could talk on that for days. Selfless service. (laughs) Meaning, hey, teaching in Oklahoma, if you look it up, if you look up teaching, we are the lowest paid in the United States. Wow. We have no benefits. It's horrible. But guess what? It doesn't matter because this is my purpose. It's what I was called to do. So none of that. Of course, I'd like to get paid more. Who wouldn't? But at the end of the day, if I have to go broke fulfilling this calling, then it's what I have to do. That's all there is to it. Love it. Love the passion and the commitment. What's the next one? Honor. Honor. Yep. Honor thyself. Honor thy gift. Honor thy craft. You have to honor yourself. You have to honor what it is that you're doing. That one's deep. What's the last one? Personal courage. We're on integrity, then personal courage. Integrity. Integrity. You have to do what's right when no one else is watching. Basic militant fundamentals. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Do the right thing. Absolutely. No matter who's around, no matter what type of notoriety you're getting for it, it's all about the integrity. Personal courage, it's like the story that you told about people from your chain of command not standing up for you because it was someone that outranked you. You know what I mean? You remember that? Absolutely. That one stands out to me a lot, especially teaching in schools like this. My personal courage when it comes to teaching and coaching means that I'm going to stand up for my kids and go to war with them no matter who we're going against. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people lack nowadays is the personal courage because it's going to take that courage from within that's really going to allow you to go above and beyond, you know, your call of duty, whether it's coaching or teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of those warrior ethos is monumental when it comes to functioning in all aspects of life once you get out of service. Great. And I know that's going to add a lot of value to the veterans community and to anyone listening as well. Now, to flip it just a bit, what would you say to employers looking to employ veterans? I would say a veteran has more knowledge and experience. He's been taught more morals, ethics, standards, and values that any college in the world can offer. 
any college. Now, if you find a veteran that has all that experience and they're college educated, then they're dangerous at that point. Dangerous in a good way. Right, right, right. They can go from being the last man in the door to helping you level your company up, running the company at the CEO level or higher. I would simply say there's something special about someone that signs their name on a dotted line that says they're willing to fight and die for people that they don't even know. I love it. That's all there is to it. There's not a lot of people in college that's willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's clear. If someone's resume comes across your office, that's a veteran. When you look into hiring them or someone else, you have to realize that that person, although you haven't met them, they took an oath years ago to possibly die for you before they even knew you. And that's something you have to take into consideration. Wow. Wow. I know employers are definitely going to benefit from that deep truth. Absolutely. All right. So pivoted in just a bit, what would you say to service members starting their transitions process? I would say be self-aware and speak out about how you're feeling about your transitional move. It's going to be, like I said earlier in the podcast, it's going to be unfamiliar you may feel like there's no structure, but there's resources. Veterans transitioning in context for it. That book, my our organization, there's people out there that's willing to help you transition. You just have to communicate when you feel that unfamiliar sense of not knowing what's going on. Because it's natural. It's going to happen. Right. I'm going to dare to say it happens to everyone. It's just what you do after it happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone's different. You know, someone may be going through a divorce at the same time. Someone may have an amazing family support system. Some may not have a support system at all. That's why it's important and vital to communicate like, hey, I don't have a support system. Do you know anyone on the civilian side? You know, communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I've found, and I know you've seen this in your journey as well, is that when you're open and honest and transparent, when you have that personal courage to share how you're feeling, to share the structure that you might need to get the transitions done, that you'll meet the right people at the right time willing to walk with you through that season of life. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to dive into this question now. Now you have all these listeners. What is your biggest ask of transitioning service members? What's my biggest ask? Yeah. Like, what would I ask them to do? Right. I want you to think about it like orders, like you're giving them an order and they're going to execute on it to the T. What's your biggest ask of transitioning service members? Honestly, I would keep it simple. I would ask them to simply write down how they're feeling at the moment. I would ask them how they were feeling at the moment. I would ask them if they felt like they still had a purpose I would ask them if they still feel as if they have that oath of enlistment, that oath that they took, if they still have to fulfill it once they get out. Because we all do. Just because we stopped wearing that uniform doesn't mean that the oath went away. It doesn't expire. We carry it with us forever once we agree to it. Tap into your purpose, write down your whys, know who you're going to be and become. Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of people just, you know, overthink things and want to do these, you know, real complex studies. Like I want to know right then, this week, this month, as you're getting out, document and tell me, how are you feeling? Communicate with me. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, because that way we can we can see exactly. Absolutely, um, because if I'm your staff sergeant or your command sergeant major, the truth is you're more likely to open up and communicate with me versus someone on the civilian sector. That's true. You just have to force it, and we have to know these things as veterans. I don't care what type of education you have. There comes a point where only people will open up and talk to people that they can relate with. And yeah. veterans, it's with the veteran. Yeah, yeah. So veterans, I, I, I want you to listen to that in detail and ask yourself, who is the veteran in my space or even someone you need to reach out to online that you can connect with that can walk with you and who's unafraid to ask you, how are you feeling in that moment? Because that's the difference between transitioning successfully and going down some dark roads that I think we've all had the opportunity to stare down at some point in our transitions journey. Absolutely. And it, it goes back to t- taking that that oath like willing to fight and die for your brother and sister that's what me and you are doing now like the reason me and you are even doing this podcast right now is because we're still upholding that oath like everything me and you are doing right now in life the reason why we even met and we're having this conversation is because of that oath that we refuse to let expire yeah yeah love it now kind of shifting gears just a bit and from your studies, from your training, from your coaching, from your leadership, what book would you recommend to veterans leadership blog listeners and why? I would recommend your book. Oh, I appreciate that. I really do. I really do appreciate that. I would recommend your book because the things you talk and speak on, you've lived and that's of value. That's of more value than any New York Times bestseller, in my opinion. And I know a lot of veterans feel the same way because that's how a lot of veterans are wired. You can have a Harvard specialist, MD, top notch, and he has a book on his shelf to help veterans transition. And then you have your book right there next to it. But you have that title that he hasn't earned, that very few have earned. They're going to pick your book up. And I'm going to do the same thing. I do appreciate that. And for all the listeners, you can find that online on Amazon. It's called Veterans Transitions, a Contact Sport. And Dylan walked with me through the journey of writing that book. And we just challenged each other to be as transparent as possible and pour our hearts and souls into everything we do. And, and I did with that book just because I understand the dark places that we can end up in if we don't transition with principles and with just a sound consistency self-assessing, as Dylan mentioned, along the way, knowing that someone has done this before you and that no one should journey alone. Yeah. To all, you know, the listeners and veterans and everything, you know, I read a lot of books as a teacher. Sometimes I read two or three books, you know, a month, if not a week. But when Bernard first sent me, you know, the outline or the draft of the book, I was going to read, you know, one chapter and then it turned into two, three until, you you know, I eventually just finished it because there's so much knowledge and power in the book and it's so meaningful and it's something that I can relate to. And it's something that all veterans can relate to as well. That's why if there is, you know, honestly, any book I could recommend, if there's a book that I'm going to push onto veterans, it's going to be that book. Again, I really do appreciate you, you know, just sharing your views on it. You know, when when someone creates something at times, you can be biased. But I really felt that this book was timely, you know, with so many service members leaving the military at this point in history and leaving 
more aware that they need to connect and rebuild to the purpose and the oath that they took. It helps them drive that stake down in specific areas and just empower the community around them by just showing up every day, being their absolute best and using values-based leadership to guide all those around them, even when they can't appreciate it at first. Absolutely. And, you know, it all goes back to what we talked about earlier. You know, leaders have to lead by example. So you have you as an author of this book. Well, who is this Bernard guy to tell me how to do this? Well, special operations veteran, operation enduring freedom veteran. Now he works for Microsoft, college graduate, blah, blah, blah. That's who he is. He doesn't have to talk about it because his actions speak more than his words. And that's what veterans like. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you've left us with so much wisdom as we wrap up. Any last piece of parting guidance that you want to impart to veterans and then finish with how can veterans get in contact with you? Best way to reach you on social, the internet, or, you know, any specific medium you want them to reach out to you. Man, let me ask you something. Have you ever heard the story of the wise blind man on top of the mountain? No, I haven't. All right. I'm going to make this really short because I know we're on a time crunch. So there's this mountain and there's this old blind man on top and people come from all over to travel on top of this mountain to climb up this mountain to ask this guy for advice. Keep in mind he's blind and he has the answer to every question. People come from all over. Well, there's a man that lives below the mountain that's always seeing these cars pass and it's always cluttered. So he gets upset. So one day he decides he's going to trick the blind man. He's going to climb up the mountain and he's going to carry a bird with him. And he's going to ask the blind man, he's going to say, I have a bird in my hand. Is it alive or dead? And if the man says it's alive, he's going to throw the bird on the ground and kill it. If he says it's dead, he's going to let the bird fly. So he's going to be wrong. So he spends all day climbing up this mountain with this bird in his hand. And he gets to the very top of the mountain and the blind man's up there. And he says, wise man, I have a question. And he says, go ahead, son. And he says, I have a bird in my hand. Is it alive or dead? And the wise man says, it's in your hand. It's up to you. Oh, man. So that would be my message. Whatever you're about to do when it comes to transitioning, it's ultimately up to you. There's resources out there. You just have to communicate. The book that Bernard is getting published, it's a solid book. It can literally be a blueprint, a template on how to transition. Our nonprofit, No Surrender INC, we're all about helping literally anyone in need. We have over 35 combat veterans from all different branches willing and able to assist you literally at any given moment. I'm the first one you'll speak to, whether it's 2 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever you need, we are the QRF for your whatever's going on in your life. Our website is nosurrenderinc.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram. So whatever you need, whatever we can help you with, that's what we're put here to do. Love it. I love it. Well, that's it, Veterans Leadership Blog podcast listeners. Dylan, again, I just want to thank you for being on the show, for sharing your wisdom. And, you know, you have me thinking about that wise blind man and what's in my hand and what I literally have the power to do. So thank you again. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. 